With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hawkeye Nation podcast, HawkeyeNation.com. Back with you once again, it's Andrew Downs along with Rob Howe. Rob, it's a loaded question. How you doing, man? <laughs> yeah, we talked about that before yeah. recor- recording. That question is a lot more complicated this, these days, isn't it? it? It certainly is. Yeah, it's been it's been quite the 2020. Who would have thought that uh, it would get even, even wilder than it was uh, even a couple of weeks ago? Uh, we haven't talked in a couple of weeks. We, we took Memorial Day off and then... Um, you know, to be honest, yesterday, Rig, and we're recording this on on Tuesday. Uh, to be honest, yesterday, Rob, I, you know, I, it was it had just been such a long weekend of kind of uh, nonstop onslaught of, you know, and no matter what side you're on, it's it's so complex and there's so much to think about and to talk about. There's so much arguing happening on on social media. Uh, there's so many facets to to all of this. You know, obviously, we're talking about the George Floyd and you know systemic racism and protesting turning into riots and you know police versus protesters and politics and it, it just got to the point it was so exhausting. And then after doing a full radio show on it yesterday afternoon, I was like. I just you know I need to shut my brain off for a little bit. So I appreciate you allowing me to uh, to delay this one more day to kind of uh, get my get my head back into a place where I can where I can talk Hawkeye sports for for a while. Yeah, I'm right with you, and and it was good actually. I mean, just from a timing standpoint. Uh you know, we'll, we, and we'll get into this, and this will be part of the base of the of the podcast. But you know, the Iowa coaches have started to come out now and and share their feelings on what's going on in this country, and I think that's important. And uh, had we done it, had we brought, had we po- recorded this yesterday morning, we we would have missed that stuff. So yeah, things happen for a reason, right, man? Absolutely, absolutely. Well, hopefully, everybody out there is is safe and being safe and taking care of themselves and and taking care of each other. Maybe more importantly. Than anything, uh, but as as you mentioned there, Rob, you know, Hawkeye coaches uh, have have been vocal about this. Uh, some more than others. We saw Kirk Ferentz kind of spoke with the team. Uh, Fran McCaffrey had had kind of more of an outspoken statement. I've seen today on Twitter. There's a a Blackout Tuesday uh, theme going, and I've seen Tom Brands and the Iowa basketball account, and you know several of the athletic accounts uh, participated in that. And, and I think that's important, and it's good. Uh, you know. 
in our state where there are so many of us who are who are white and we're we're talking about sports predominantly uh, you know participated in by by young black men I think it's important for these coaches and these administrators and these kind of entities to to not just allow their their players to speak out uh, their beliefs and, and be political animals but to, to also have their back and, and kind of voice those opinions uh, because they they do have big platforms and, and big mouthpieces uh, so I as as a Hawkeye fan, I was very proud to see uh, so many of the coaches and, and, as I said, kind of the entities uh, coming out and, and speaking out this week. Yeah, I agree, Andrew. And we all have a platform to some degree or another. And we've reached the point and we've reached the point years ago that enough is enough. Yeah. And, and you have to speak up and you can't soft shoe around this stuff anymore. It just it, it's you're you're silence is deafening and you know when it comes to racial injustice and unconscious bias and white privilege and people need to speak up and i I was really really proud of of fran mccaffrey acknowledging the systemic racism and you know as a coach as you said andrew of how many you know black players he's had through the years and has, has probably witnessed it and we all have and it's 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 enough it's enough with just saying you know it'll get better yeah because it's not going to get better without action and I, and I know people are upset with me they're upset with me on the hawkeye nation message board they're upset with me on twitter for me speaking up but i'm not stopping and if that bothers you and i said somebody this morning that you know had had to make a make a point on twitter that they were unfollowing me i said listen if anything that i'm tweeting is offensive to you or bothers you then that's that's your problem because this stuff needs to be out there. And I think when we see this from the Iowa coaches, I think just the progress we've made from Colin Kaepernick, mm-hmm. Andrew, where people didn't want to hear that, just the progress that we've made from Gary Dolphin's comments yes. about Bern- uh, Fernando from Maryland and the unconscious bias. These are all, this is all the progress that we have to make. We've got to keep pushing forward with this. We've got to keep talking about it publicly. And one of the people that I respect the most uh, in athletics is C. Vivian Stringer. Mm. And if you read her statement, she explains why it's important for people in athletics to speak out. Shoot, Andrew, Michael Jordan and Tiger Woods made statements. Right. These are the most vanilla when it comes to social justice, they want to stay as far away from it as possible for their brand. But we've reached the point now where we can't be quiet anymore. Uh, you're exactly right. And, and it's it's going to be uncomfortable, and it's it's supposed to be uncomfortable. It, it needs to be uncomfortable. And, and as you said, with the Kaepernick thing, and, and then really uh, hitting close to home with the Gary Dolphin thing. And, and I was so proud of Gary for the way he addressed that. And a lot of people didn't like it. Uh, a lot of people wanted him to come out and say, hey, there was nothing wrong with what I said. That's not that's not what I meant. And, uh, and you know, I, I am basically being railroaded here by, by being suspended for the, the end of the season but that's not what he did he said look I, I didn't know about this and and it's unconscious bias and I didn't know what that term meant but I'm learning and I've, I've talked to you know members of the African-American community who have who have helped me along with this and th- that's another thing is we Rob, you and I, I feel like are on the same page with a lot of this stuff. We have to also then allow people to, to, to change uh, but a part of that has to be admission of, of wrongdoing or admission of you know 
wrong uh, thinking in the past. And I, I love that that Gary Dolphin addressed that. I thought like what the NFL did last week, putting out a statement, was was very uh, tone deaf because you haven't admitted any wrongdoing. You haven't apologized for for stifling. Uh, these these peaceful protests that happened on your watch, you you're now just kind of capitalizing and pandering to a situation, uh, and that's not the way it needs to happen. But we do need to allow people to to have the room to to change their minds, and and we have to have those hard conversations to change people's minds. And I, I'm right with you. If, if people want to unfollow me for this, then then so be it. I, I hope that someday you come around uh, and and change the way you've thought. One of the people I'm most proud of on social media this week, and really in the last six months to a year, uh, is, is my predecessor on this podcast, John Miller. Uh, he has, he and I have gone back a, a long ways as you and he have, uh, and, and I've been friends with him for a long time and he and I have disagreed on a lot of things and he has put aside his, his pride and his ego and, and begun to start to learn. And I think if we can all do that a little bit, if we can all uh, try to put ourselves in other people's shoes, uh, you know, and realize that the reality you and I live in, Rob, is a different reality than what most of the athletes on the Iowa athletic teams live in. And that's just, that, that's just truth. And it's a sad truth, and it's a hard truth, but it's a truth that needs to be addressed and it needs to be changed. And this isn't going to be overnight, and it's, it's not going to, to be easy, but it's something that has to happen and uh and, and i'm glad that it, it seems like it's it's being pushed uh even though it's like pushing a boulder up a hill it, it's certainly being pushed in the right direction and this this won't end this week and it won't end uh when all this eventually dies down and we move on to the next crisis or the next thing um but hopefully when this pops up again and we have to have these hard conversations again, this will be another kind of step uh, or, or you know, link in this chain of progress as you know, we, we push towards equality for all people. And um, yeah, I, I guess I don't know what else to say beyond that. No, you said, I mean, that's really, really well put. I'll, cut, I'll, I'll hit on a couple things you said. I, I think the most important thing, Andrew, is accepting that you have an unconscious bias and that there's white privilege out there. If you're going to ignore those things, if you don't want to hear those things, if you don't want to accept those things, it's really going to be hard to change. Yeah, it, it really is. And a, a really good friend of mine, uh, Dr. Eddie Moore, who I played rec basketball with uh, when I first moved to Iowa City, he went to graduate school and got his PhD from Iowa. He started the uh, the White Privilege Institute. He's up in Green Bay right now. And I, I would encourage people. It's a nonprofit. I would encourage people. There are a lot of ways to find out about this stuff and to learn about this stuff. It's out there if you want to. And I see a lot of people on social media or our message boards or wherever saying, what can I do? Mm. Educate yourself. Black people don't have time to educate you. You need to educate yourself. Look for it. Google it. Search for it. White Privilege Institute on, on, just Google it. Go there and get involved. There are ways to learn. There are seminars. There are ways to make yourself better. There are ways for you to help if you want to help. And if you don't want to help, you're going to be left behind because I really truly believe this is the end of the, ro- the road here. This is the end of the line. If you're, you're either getting on and wanting to be part of change and wanting to be charged part of helping this cause or you don't care. And if you don't care, we have to worry about future generations we can't worry about you 
we can't educate you. You need to educate yourself. Um, I've, I, I certainly wouldn't make this about me, but I've seen this throughout my life. I was not born in Iowa, but I know a lot of people who were born in Iowa. When I first moved to Iowa, I had a Mexican roommate and I watched discrimination against him. Great friend of mine still. We speak all the time. He's from Des Moines um, and he's faced it his whole life. And, you know, if people want to look at my Twitter, what I tweeted yesterday about my some of just my experiences, why I'm not sticking to sports anymore, they can do that if they care to. I don't want to bog down this podcast with that, but educate yourself. That would be my recommendation. And if you really care and you really want to help and you're really not racist and you really care about black lives that matter, do something. Well said. Absolutely. The, the last thing I'll say on this uh, before we move on to some, some football stuff is uh, please go to HawkeyeNation.com and check out Rob's uh, compilation of kind of all of the things that, that former Hawkeyes have, have said on social media about this. The, the title of it, it's right there on Hawkeye Nation. Hawkeyes past, present, future share feelings on racial justice. Uh, there, there are some really poignant things there. I thought what Gable Lashaney, uh, the kind of thread that he put together was fantastic, as well as a lot of these these guys. I mean, it's it's a long uh, column, and it's it's just kind of a compilation of all this stuff, and it's it's a good start to um, to kind of put yourself in those shoes and, and understand the reality that so many people in this country live in that people that look like you and I, Rob, don't have to deal with on a daily basis. Uh, with that said... And that's, yeah, yeah, and that's ahead. part of it. Sorry to interrupt you, but that's part of it, right? We want to separate these things in this world. This is a Hawkeye, Iowa Hawkeye sports podcast. That compilation that Andrew's directing you to is a compilation of a lot of people that you root for on Saturdays Mm -hmm. or when they're on the basketball court in Carver Hawkeye Arena or whatever it is. These are people that you cheer for that are asking you to do something. They're, this is connected. This is all connected. You can't separate this. You can't compartmentalize this. No. You know what I mean? These, read those. Read those reactions to some of those people, you know, from some of those people, and, and, and then just ask yourself, what can I do? I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. I love it, Rob. I'm glad that we got to to kind of say that and get that off our chest. And and again, you know, if if you're offended by that, I don't know what to say. Um, you know, hopefully, hopefully you can educate yourself. Uh, let's let's move on here and talk some football, or at least the the possibility of football. You know, Rob, it's interesting. A few weeks ago, it really felt like the conversation was, "Will there be a football season? And if there will be, when will it start? What will it look like? You know, will, will they will they only play regional teams? Will they not do non conference games? Will it actually take place?" Some Sometime in 2021, and now here we sit, and it feels like it's a foregone conclusion that football is happening. It's happening on time, and this, these won't be empty stadiums. They may not be full stadiums, uh, but they won't be empty stadiums. And and Iowa Athletic Director Gary Barta met with the media on on Zoom last week, and you can uh, you can read a transcript from that. Um, 
on HawkeyeNation.com. I know you posted the, the video of it on, on YouTube, uh, Rob, and it's fluid, and, and he, he'll acknowledge that too. But the plan is right now, hey, we're going to have a full Kinnick Stadium September 5th. Uh, here we go. Yeah, in the famous words of Anchorman, Will Ferrell, man, that escalated quickly. <laughs> yes, I mean, like you said, we were, we were wondering if there's going to be football, and now we're talking about having a full stadium. Yeah. It's... We'll have to see. Andrew, as you said, it's fluid. We'll have to see how things go here. Um, I wrote a column, I believe I published last Monday, um, referring to it as a science experiment, Mm. bringing the players back to campus. And it really is because we don't have a full understanding of this virus. And why would we? It's a novel virus. It's a new virus. We're learning things all the time. And these are experiments to see what happens. And the Iowa... Football and men's basketball and women's basketball programs are being used in the experiment, as is as are members of Carver Medical, uh, the research institute, um, or, or the research portion of the college. So this is what they call a pilot program. Again, experiment. <laughs> Gary Barta said we have to mitigate the risk, but there are going to be athletes and students who catch the virus. Mm-hmm. They're, they're going in with the plan, Andrew, that people are going to get sick and they're going to treat it. They're, they're will, they feel like the reward is better than the risk right now, and we're about to find out. Yeah, it's it's really going to be interesting to watch this play out, uh, not just here in Iowa, but across the country. I think the uh, the staffs were able to to come back yesterday on June first. Uh, football players are voluntarily able to come back on Monday, June eighth. Uh, men's and women's basketball players, June fifteenth. And, and as you said, Gary Barta made no he pulled no punches when it came to this. He said, if you're going to shut down when one person gets sick, then you might as well not even open up. Uh, we are going to to try to keep people as safe as possible but when it happens not if it happens but when it happens that an athlete or a student or a a staff member or a faculty member gets sick uh, then we will kind of put in this plan into place and I don't know exactly what that plan looks like Rob And, and as we learn more about this virus and as you said we don't know we don't know nearly enough about it yet uh, it's just it's going to be interesting to see when that actually happens. Uh, do they quarantine that person or the people that that are with them, or do they? Uh, you know, it's there's just so many unanswered questions to all this. It's it really is just an experiment that we're going to have to watch from afar and hope that you know the people in charge are taking every precaution and and have the the safety of uh, not just the athletes but the trainers and the the medical staff and the coaches and everybody else uh, uh, as their top priority. And, you know, it's you just I guess at this point, we're just going to hope for the best. And we have the full Gary Barta transcript on on the website if people missed it last week and, and want to read all of his comments. It's it's the full transcript so people can can get a lot of insight. And he answers a lot of questions about season tickets and if you're uncomfortable coming back for uh, this season, if you want to roll your season tickets over, will you have your seats back, all that stuff. Um, I think one piece of the puzzle, Andrew, um, is what do these student athletes do when they're away from the facility? Mm. You know, that's that's a, a part of this experiment, and I'm going to keep using the word whether people like it or not, <laughs> but we, that, that's a portion of this that we're just not sure of. And I talked to, to uh, Nikki Britt, who's the mother of Justin Britt, a redshirt freshman offensive lineman who I think is going to be really good at Iowa, and she hopes 
she tried to do whatever she could when she had her son home the last few months to teach him about washing his hands, about doing the right, you know, being, you know, social distancing, mm-hmm. all those things. And we just need to hope that the crazy college kids don't do anything crazy that could put themselves and others in danger. And I'm not pointing fingers and saying that will happen. We just don't know. They're off on their own. We were all in college. We did dumb things. That's one of the things that I think we need to keep an eye on. And I I will read this quote from, from Gary Barda um, and Mark Morehouse asked this question. And I put the video up on Twitter too, if anybody's interested. And uh, it reads like this. Even in the medical community, you have some doctors who believe the only way to address this current pandemic is to stay at home and never leave your house. There are medical professionals who will say that because medically that's what they believe. The common sense or reality, I don't know if it's common sense, but the reality is this is my belief. I don't believe we can stay in our homes until a vaccine is discovered or created or put onto the market. So my approach is let's listen to the medicine. Let's match that with the risks and risks analysis. And then let's go, go out of our homes and know the risks. And then I will be ready to go on a plane and, you know, it goes on beyond that. And like I said, people can read that on our website. But so and I said this a few minutes ago, he readily admits that there's a risk and there's a risk analysis. I wonder, do they really know what the risk is? <laughs> I don't know how you could. I really don't. I, I, it's it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out. And I think you make a really good point about what do guys, you know, the, the football staff will have a lot of control over what these guys do when they're in in their facilities, when they're on campus, uh, when they're in practice or, or in training sessions. They'll be able to keep them socially distanced and, and keep them safe and you know force them to wash hands and, and do all things like that. It's, it's what happens when they're not there. And man, you talk about a group of people who feel invincible. I know I felt invincible when I was 18, <laughs> 19, 20, 21, and I was not a Division One football player. <laughs> you know, so... Um, well, I, like I said in my column, Andrew, the study group in this experiment is a is very willing yes you know especially the initial athletes coming back the football players but even basketball players women or men or wrestlers these are tough people these are competitors these are people that think they're invincible that they that this isn't going to affect them in a lot of ways and i'm not saying that as a blanket statement but in a lot of ways it's how they're wired it's it's why they're at the level they are at at, as athletes and um and i want to be clear too i'm not saying that you know you know chicken little the sky is falling i don't think this should happen i don't know i'm not saying that the risk is crazy and they shouldn't be doing this I don't know. I just want to acknowledge that they're willing to take this risk and they may not know what the risk is. And I'm not saying they should or shouldn't because I don't know. And, and you're exactly right. And this is also a group of people who has already lost something to to this this pandemic. I mean, the football players less so than the, the winter sport athletes, but the football players, they lost spring football and, and all of the things that come with that. The Obviously, the men's basketball, women's basketball, wrestling teams lost chunks of their season, chances to 
you know, put their names into record books, chances to uh, accomplish things that haven't been accomplished at this university in, in quite a long time. And so I'm sure they're raring to go to come back and, and try to make up for some lost time. Uh, and as you said, it, it's an experiment. It's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. Uh, hope for the best, certainly. The the season ticket thing, I'm glad that Gary Barta had the chance to um, kind of clarify some of that stuff. I know early last week there were reports, uh, and a lot of it came – you know, J- Jamie Pollard here in Des Moines is, is a big figure. He's Iowa State's athletic director. And, and he's very good about getting out in front of things and, and openly communicating. And a lot of people really like that. It doesn't mean that the other way is wrong necessarily, right? And so just because Jamie Pollard said it first doesn't mean that other people aren't thinking it. Uh, but but essentially it was, it was turned here, at least here in Des Moines, as... You know, Iowa State's going to to honor their season ticket holders. Whether or not they get season tickets this year, they'll be able to get those seats back in 2021, and Iowa is not going to do that. Well, Gary Barta was able to kind of clarify that and say, no, that's not the case. Uh, we'll, we'll be able to, to make that happen, and you won't lose priority points. It's going to be really interesting, though, Rob, if if there's less than 100%, how do they disperse these people throughout the, throughout the stadium? I mean, you, you feel like you're going to need like an engineer to sit down with a, a map of the stadium and a number of people and then okay here's where we put everybody to keep them far enough away from each other you know there's going to be people who pay a lot of money for season tickets and pay a lot of money in donations and have done it for a long time and are very passionate about Iowa football who are going to have to sit way further up than they're used to right if, if we're going to socially distance a, a 50% capacity crowd say um, so it's going to be really interesting again this is all fluid and we'll know more hopefully as as the months go on. But uh, where where are these? Where is everybody going to sit? How are they going to police tailgating? How are they going to get the crowd? You know, even if it's only thirty thousand people, how are you going to get thirty thousand people into Kinnick Stadium uh, at the same time? Essentially, while socially distancing, how are you going to get them out of the stadium at the same time? Uh, there's just so many factors that go into this, uh, and I guess now is the time to start talking about it because I do think it's going to take a few months to figure this out. Yeah, so many layers, right, Andrew? You, you know, you mentioned tailgating. What happens at tailgates? Right. You, you, people you know, are going to tailgate even if they're not able to go to the game. There are people who live in Iowa City or in that surrounding area, probably even in Des Moines, who have done this for long enough that, hey, I know I can't go into the game because I didn't get my tickets for this game or whatever the case is, but I'm, I'm going to go over there and tailgate like I always do. Uh, it, it feels like yeah. stuff like that's going to be happening a lot. And, and I've had a few people reach out to me after, you know, when when Gary uh, spoke with us last week and, and I tweeted about the tailgating and some guy, and this is legit, tweeted at me. He goes, hey, I'm tailgating on private property. They can't do anything to me. And if you restrict hey, right. university, you know, on the University of Iowa property, if you restrict tailgating there, people are just going to go private tailgate. You know what I mean? Yeah, and definitely. And what happens at tailgates? They're drinking. <laughs> yes. We see, you know, those. We all go to games. You see people that are out of their minds. Not everybody, but certain people. Are they going to be able to make a, a a sound judgment on social distancing? You know, and how do you tell, you know, people that buy tickets? How do you know their their family members right. or friends, and they want to sit together? You know, how do you separate them? You know, if they say, "Listen, I've been." In quarantine with with this, you know, these are this is my my wife and my two kids. We want to sit together, 
You know, it's I don't envy at all the decisions that have to be made uh, by the people in charge here. I, it's really it's going to be really difficult. And they're meeting. And Gary told us this last week. They've met pretty much the ADs meet uh, Big Ten ADs meet every single day. Yeah. To try to talk through this stuff. They're they're doing everything they can, but again, we're dealing with something we haven't dealt with before. And there's always, um, you know, the unknown. You can plan all you want to plan, but that doesn't account for everything. It's going to be really, really uh, fascinating oh, other, to kind of watch this. One yeah. other thing here, Andrew, sorry to interrupt. It's no. got an email from Steve Rowe, the Iowa uh, Director of Communications in Iowa Athletics. Kirk Ferentz will have a Zoom press conference Wednesday hmm. at 1 p.m. So look forward to that. We will have... Uh, we will have coverage of that on Hawkeye Nation, and uh, we will get a chance to ask the head hawk direct questions and uh, be interested to see what he has to say. You know, I'd ask you, Rob, if you have any sort of prediction for you know how many people will be in the stadium, but I, th- I think that's probably a fool's errand at this point. It's so fluid. We don't know. I'd be shocked if it's 100% of the stadium capacity is, is able really anywhere in the country to go into a football stadium this September. I certainly wouldn't feel comfortable, at least as we sit here today, uh, putting myself in that position, but uh, you know, to, to try to guess how this is going to play out. I think one of the one of the kind of key points Gary Barta kept making over and over, um, and it, it was an interesting one, and, and one I hadn't really thought about much is I think this was as of last Thursday. Uh, we were we were a hundred days away from kickoff to the football state uh, season, and just seventy seven days away from the day that the Big Ten tournament was canceled back in March. And so uh, essentially, from that to football season, we aren't even halfway through this thing yet. So obviously, a lot can change, and we can learn a lot, and and things. Uh, w- I feel like will certainly be different. We will feel differently. Uh, the world will look differently uh, come September. So to even try to to guess what it's going to look like, uh, you know, opening day at Kinnick Stadium probably isn't even worth our time. No, and I'm hoping for the best. And I know from a media standpoint and people – uh, some people care about this because it's you know the coverage that we give them on Hawkeye Nation and other media outlets throughout the state. I think is going to be there's going to there are going to be restrictions there. I don't think we're going to be having you know in person press conferences with with coaches and players. I think that's going to be different. So the access is going to be different. I'm somebody who shoots for photos from uh, from the sidelines and. You know, I, I have been hearing that that's probably not going to happen. There'll, there'll probably be university photographers that that share photos with us uh, to use with our stories and content. Um, who knows how they're going to handle the the press box and and you know where we're going to sit and and things like that and and how many they so how many they'll let us in. So as fans, you could see less coverage of your team at least for this season. So those are some things to keep in mind too as it relates to Hawkeye Nation. Uh, and, and we'll keep you up to the, up to date on that as best we can as we hear uh, from the university on what we'll be able to do. But I, I think we're going to see a lot of changes in the coverage of the Iowa Hawkeyes this season as well. Agree completely. Anything else from the uh, from the Barta Zoom call that, that you wanted to hit on before we move on to a couple other football notes? No, I think we hit on it. I think maybe the one um, I think the one point that he drove home and and I think this has been an interesting topic of excuse me uh, conversation is is the voluntary aspect of these workouts and how voluntary they are. That's you know and, and Gary throughout his press conference kept bringing up 
that these are voluntary. I'll be interested to see, Andrew, if there are athletes that tap out, if there are athletes that are worried um, and what happens to them. I, I think that's an important part of this story, too, because these are voluntary. And just because, you know, the majority or most or all, all but a few want to do this, what happens to those that don't? And I know Gary said they get to keep their scholarship, but what does that do to them in terms of their standing on the team and where they are? Because um, this is a business. And if you don't look at this, that they're bringing back um, football and men's and women's basketball ahead of all the other athletes. There are athletes that are, that are fall athletes that season, whose seasons begin before basketball that are not coming back yet. If you don't think that money and revenue is a part of this, <laughs> you're not being honest with yourself. So um, I think athletes can look at that and say, you know, what, what am I doing here and what am I getting myself into and how will I be treated? So I think that's maybe, maybe a nuance of this story we should keep an eye on. Well, let's move on to to a couple of news and notes uh, from football that we've learned over the past couple of weeks. You know, we've talked quite a bit uh, about Coy Cronk and, and his transfer from Indiana and how he you know is likely a starter on the offensive line, and that that's kind of a cool thing to have. And now we may have a, a counterpart on the defensive line as uh, Northern Illinois defensive tackle Jack Heflin has transferred to the Hawkeyes. And uh, you know, Rob, from the outside and kind of from what uh, what you and other people have have said about this guy, this seems like a big gift for the Hawkeyes. Yeah, without question. I mean, they Iowa uh, graduated its two starting defensive tackles from last season in Cedric Lattimore and Brady Reef. And, uh, you know, you've, you've got Davion Nixon coming back, Austin Schulte, who got some time. But you're talking about a guy uh, who, who's been a three-year starter in college at, at the MAC level. And I know people make fun of the MAC, but there are a lot of pros that come out of that league. And this kid graded out as one of the, the best defensive tackles in the country, regardless of, of the level of football, you know, the level of Division One football by uh, pro football focus in his productivity. So really just what the doctor ordered, Andrew, just like Coy Cronk, Coy Cronk, excuse me, when Tristan Wirfs leaves and he can step in and maybe not be at that position, maybe that's Mark Kallenberger at right tackle, but then he fills in where Kallenberger was at left guard in the bowl game. Um, and, and now you move Heflin into the defensive tackle rotation, and it, 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 you have to you don't have to rely as much on a Noah Shannon mm. uh, or a Logan Lee or some of the younger guys uh, that are on that defensive line. You get a veteran presence in there that can kind of bridge that gap a little bit for some of the younger guys until they come along. And we've seen. And I think it's been pretty pronounced uh, maybe over the last five years or so that, you know, Iowa's gone heavily to a defensive line rotation, particularly early in the season when, when weather's a factor and it's hot uh, and you can reduce the reps and put, you know, maybe some fewer miles on these guys. It looks like, you know, one of the bigger question marks that we've talked about on this podcast, Andrew, the defensive line, that's a big piece there, man, that that can help with that rotation and, and in turn, hopefully help with product productivity. And, and as you said, a guy who like really kind of uh, made a big jump from one year to the next. And then you like the thought of him getting into, uh, you know, Iowa's strength and conditioning program and, and Iowa's coaching program and uh, kind of see what he can do to, you know, uh, 
I, I like guys like this and and Kronk who are coming here to kind of uh, make one last statement, right? And and try to get to the NFL. That they they have a chip on their shoulder and and they have a goal they're trying to reach. And um and obviously playing well for the Hawkeyes will will help them reach that. So I'm excited to see both these guys. Uh, one departure, and there, there've been a handful of of kind of smaller departures uh, that that have come across over the past few weeks. But I think the 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 headline, the name that people uh, it kind of jumped out to people, and, and some people I, I think definitely myself included were like, ooh, uh, was DJ Johnson announcing that, that he was going to be leaving the program. Uh, that that was a, a bit of a surprise to me, Rob. Yeah, and it's, uh, you know, we've I've debated this with people, how, how deep that, you know, the pool is in the secondary, and it, it's deep enough. And it's deep enough that it may have, and usually these things come down to playing time, Andrew, if they don't see a path to playing time or, um, and I know DJ came out and said that wasn't the case, but if you just look at it on the surface, you have Matt Hankins, who's been a two-year starter, and then you have Raleigh Moss and Julius Brents, both guys who have started at the cornerback spot, you know, barring injury, who who does he jump over? He, he was, you know, they tried him at the cash last year. That didn't work out. Dane Belton ended up taking over there. You know, I, I, I will say for DJ, it's probably not not all about playing time, but but it, it, it's got to be a factor. Yeah. And um, I, I think the disappointment there is, you know, he showed some promise. Uh, he got lit up in that Iowa State game early last year and then came back and was the Big Ten freshman of the week. Um, That was great to see that he was able to, you know, bounce back from that adversity. And I I think there's there's a lot of promise there, but – you know, and and the disappointment I think for some Iowa fans, particularly ones that that follow recruiting, it's a kid that picked Iowa over Notre Dame and LSU. Mm-hmm. Iowa doesn't get a lot of kids like that, so uh, disappointing. And, and maybe not a guy that you know you you miss. Um, you know, when you're talking about starters or, or guys that are you know high up in that too deep but it's depth and at Iowa that's such an important thing we see it every year Andrew when guys get hurt and you need that next man up you know as a kid that had been in the program for two years that you know it is you it's hard to it's a developmental program and when you lose you lose guys that you've already uh worked with in developing that hurts yeah and and this this year depth may be more important than than past years now I know True. if if guys are getting back on campus you know in the next couple of weeks they should have plenty of time to, to be ready for the season but uh, you know losing spring football and, and not exactly sure what everything is going to look like this summer as, as they go through things um, depth could could rear its ugly head uh, for a lot of teams across the country uh, in this season another uh, not super sexy note but Troy has been added to the 2024 football schedule and and a slight adjustment has been made to the 2023 schedule the, the big thing with the Troy game uh, that, that I saw at least on social media was the the predictable and kind of tired uh, oh here we go you know I would not scheduling uh, anybody real tough again but I, that narrative's got to be top it's, five, right? It's just ridiculous. It's it's got to be top five when you're talking about Iowa that that athletic narratives, especially because people don't understand. Yeah, because you can then lump that in with the well, get rid of the Cyhawk game, uh, which is which is probably also in that top five as well, which isn't going to happen. Uh, Iowa and Iowa State will continue to play each other, and Iowa isn't going to play more than ten Power Five games. Why? Why should they? I think uh, somebody. Because 
because had, nobody does. Exactly. Somebody That's had the stat. Why. Somebody had the stat oh, on Twitter, and I'm sorry for for not knowing exactly who it was. It was a, a Hawkeye reporter, maybe been Scott Docterman, but somebody basically said, you know, I think there were four or five teams in the country that played 11 Power Five games last season. And, yeah, I think it was Doc. Doc, he puts up the good fight on this. He's the one that keeps battling for us, trying to trying to take this narrative down. But I, he may be fighting a losing battle. One of those teams made a bowl game last year. One of them, and, and not yeah, not not one ten games. One of those teams made a bowl game. Iowa has a very tough schedule. They play nine conference games. They play several rivalry games. They play trophy games. Oh, and by the way, Iowa State's a pretty good team right now, and and Iowa plays them every September. Uh, to 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 expect Iowa now a, a wish list? Absolutely, I would love it. I would love it. If Iowa had games like Wisconsin has had in Lambeau Field against LSU, or if Iowa could play, you know, an SEC team on a neutral, you know, down in Arrowhead or something like that, I would, I would sign up for that. I would love it. But you have to be realistic, and you have to understand uh, what do you want—a great schedule where you don't win that many games, or a good schedule where you win ten games? Uh, it's, it's just as you said, it's kind of a tired narrative, but it crops up every time Iowa announces another non-conference game against a team like Troy. And I'm not, I mean, I'm not going to tell people how to feel. And if people want the Iowa State game to go away and they'd rather play Pittsburgh or Syracuse, that's their right to feel that way. I do not agree. I think the Iowa Iowa State game is that's our sporting event. That's our big basketball, too, and wrestling, but foot the foot. The Cyhawk football game is our biggest sporting event in this state every year. And I've written this before, and it's a tie, you know, people tired of hearing it. It it should be cherished. There isn't a Nebraska state that is playing Division One football that the Huskers play against every year. There's not a Minnesota State that the Gophers are playing against every year, you know, at, at a Power Five level. There's not a Wisconsin State that the Badgers are playing against every year at the Power Five level. This is really unique that Iowa has this, and it should be should. And I should. I don't want to say it should be because I don't want if people really want to play Syracuse. And really, or want to play Pitt, that's fine. But this is a special thing. And I, I, I guess I should say, I wish people would embrace it more. And I think most people do. But the people that are pushing that narrative that this, this game needs to go away. Final thing, uh, unless there's anything else on football that, that you wanted to hit on, Rob. Um, Patrick McCaffrey gets his year. He, he gets his hardship waiver approved. We thought this would happen. Uh, it didn't happen at the same time as Bohannon and Nunji a couple of weeks ago, but uh, glad to see this happen. Patrick does have four years of eligibility remaining. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see kind of the progress he's made over this this offseason. Um, I, I saw a video you know, that he posted a, a few weeks ago of, of him dunking. He looks good. Um, I know his dad has talked about, you know, obviously Fran McCaffrey has talked about uh, how how well he is doing and, and the progress he's making. Um, you hope this isn't a health thing that, that kind of rears its ugly head several times throughout his career, but you can certainly understand how, how that may be the case. But he gets his year, and it's going to be really interesting, especially as we await the Luka Garza uh, return or, or not return, uh, to see where he fits into this into this Hawkeye rotation next season. Yeah, I think the thing with Patrick Andrew is he's, you know, you watch his brother Connor and 
you, you put that role player tag on him, but I, I think maybe that comes with a connotation that it, it's, you know, undervalued. Um, the role that Connor McCaffrey plays is really big. It, it's, it's really important. And I think you get that from Patrick in a different way, more from the forward spot, more from an athletic standpoint, more from a length standpoint, uh, more from a versatility standpoint. Maybe not more from a versatility standpoint because I think Connor's showed us he's pretty versatile, but maybe more, uh, uh, you know, in a different position. Uh, Patrick's a little bit. Um, a little bit different than his brother and, and has, can, can contribute in different ways, but he's willing to do that. He's willing to do things like maybe if you would make a comparison with Nicholas bear, mm. um, I, 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 you know, I don't know. I don't know if Patrick can have that motor, uh, with his health concerns, but he'll try to do that. And he'll, you know, I wouldn't put it past him. And like Fran told us, and I think we talked about this on the podcast, he's up over 200 pounds for the first time in his life. So it's really possible positive to see the the progress he's made from a health standpoint and man i've known patrick since he was in junior high i just i really hope that this the good health continues and he doesn't have any setbacks and they figured this out because for people that don't know this was he takes medication for the for the thyroid cancer he went through and this were these were residual effects from that that made it hard for him to gain weight and have the energy with those medications so it, it was a nutrition thing it was a strength and conditioning thing it was you know um even a mental thing for him that he's had to overcome here in the last whatever it's been six months but um you know we 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 know that the 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 medical uh advice and guidance he's getting from the university is top shelf Mm -hmm. and and maybe they figured this thing out andrew let's hope let's hope that they've they've figured out the right approach with this thing and he can just take off from here you know, if physically he's he's much different than his brother Connor, but if mentally he is anywhere near where Connor is, if if he's got that that uh, chip on his shoulder, if he's got that basketball IQ, if he can be that kind of leader out on the court, the the way that Connor has been, and, and there's no reason to believe he won't be uh, with his parentage and and the way he's been brought up. Uh, man, I'm excited to watch this kid's four years as, as a Hawkeye. I really am. I, these McCaffrey boys, you know, I think I think some people who. Uh, and you hear a lot less of it this year, don't you, Rob? You hear a lot less of anti-Fran sentiment on on Twitter and stuff right now than you did a year ago. Uh, but if if these if these kids if these boys can can come through this program the way that Connor has uh, so far, it's uh, it's going to be something fun to watch and something fun to reminisce on. You know, when when all the McCaffreys were on the court at the same time. And you're like me. I mean, I think in the back of our both of our minds, we're we're looking forward to football season if it does come off and it comes off safely but in the back of our minds we're thinking hey man that basketball season (laughs) that basketball season and I think the football season could be really good too but that basketball season could be really really special Rob this was fun man Uh, I'm I'm glad we we did this and and, you know it's it's not an easy conversation to have the the, the one that we started this podcast with but it is important and I'm glad that that you and I are are not afraid to do that and that Hawkeye Nation is able to give us a platform to do that and and I'm you know happy for the listeners whether you agree or disagree for for sticking with us and, and and we appreciate that, but uh, th- these are important times, and it's a it's a good time to not stay quiet. So, uh, thank you for for you your you know bravery on social media right now. Um, you know, for for lack of a better word, and uh, and and thanks for having these conversations with me. 
Yeah, well said, Andrew. And, and uh, I, I know you were searching for the word. I don't look at his bravery. I, I and, and you know this, and, and you're doing the same thing. We're, we're doing the right thing. Yeah. And, and that's really what's important. And, and I hope everybody is open to doing the right thing, as we talked about at the top of the podcast. I won't want to bog this down. I know we're, we're doing Hawkeye sports, but just kind of just kind of be aware. Just just try to be aware and be open and 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 try to learn. And I think we'll be better for it. I agree. All right, man. This is fun as always. Uh, we'll talk to everybody next week. Thanks, thanks, Rob. Thanks, Andrew. Great to talk to you, man. We'll be back at it next week. All right. Thank you for listening. Check out everything Rob does at Hawkeye Nation, uh, the Kirk Ferentz Zoom call, and, and more, HawkeyeNation.com. Follow him on Twitter. Hey, give me a follow as well. Thank you for listening. 